Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 192 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is a well-known lean and agile management consultant, entrepreneur, and startup strategist. He is a fellow of the Lean System Society, the creative force behind A3 Thinker, and the inventor of the Popcorn Flow thinking model. He has also been the driving force of the design and development of several large-scale solutions for global companies in the fields of e-learning, e-commerce, manufacturing, and automation. So welcome to the podcast, Claudio Perron. Hey, hi, Phil. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Yes. And thank you for joining me on the podcast today. A couple of things I really wanted to kick off with and, and probably understand a little bit more about you. Could you tell us a little bit about the popcorn flow thinking model? Yeah, popcorn flow essentially is a anti-fragile philosophy and a ultra-rapid decision model, effectively, is how we take decisions by negotiating change and run a lot of experiments. Okay. Can you give us an example of how that might work? So right now, for example, I'm literally helping companies experiment. So their business grows and <laughs> I ended up uh, working pretty much and creating one corporate startup every five weeks, which is <laughs> really tiring, like in many ways. Yeah. Um, but what you do effectively in the, in this case, we also apply Popcorn Flow to tra- to trace all these experiments, but they are more related to innovation, right? Lean startup and stuff like that, where you may have problems like uh, how do we improve the conversion rate from X to Y? What options do we have? And based on those options, how can we? explore those options well we can run a little experiment you know and so you would have facebook ads fake doors and all that kind of stuff effectively just to pretty much try maybe different things before you even start building a product that's one way but the other part actually which is core to popcorn flow is how do we negotiate change within an organization and so you end up pretty much understanding that like a startup who operates in a territory of extreme uncertainty because you can plan all day long and then you don't know what the customers will do, right? Yes. Well, it's the same within organizations. You, you can't anticipate how people react to change. And so that's a territory of extreme uncertainty as well. And so it turns out Popcorn Flow is actually a good way to negotiate change through little experiments. So if I say to you, let's say we are in a team, a development team, and we say, I don't know, our code sucks, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. which is what I would call an opinionated opinion, right? Yep. But it's not that I have to prove anything. If we all agree, if we all agree that it sucks, you know, let's be honest, what options do we have? And then based on that, you know, we could have, I don't know, pair programming, test-driven development, yep. or other approaches maybe that we can start. But even if you were a team lead and you said, well, from now on until death, we'll separate us, let's, we shall use per programming, <laughs> you would probably get a little bit of resistance, right? But if I say to you, Phil, you know, how about you and I per program, maybe for, we try it, just a little experiment, right? We try it for three days. And at the end of the three days, my, I anticipate that uh, 
I like it, you like it. Our perception is that the code is better and we want to continue doing that moving forward. Would you do that? Yes. You know, that's now it's a little experiment. And if three days is too much, let's do three hours. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you make an experiment so small that effectively is uh, safe to fail and you do loads of them. So the idea is it's short term result driven and then you can evaluate the results and then decide whether to continue or, or change tag. Yeah, absolutely. And rather than, you know, debating a lot, uh, very often what you would do is you may, as long as you agree on the problem, you may disagree on the options, on the strategies that uh, that we can take. But as long as we explore them with just little experiments, it's all right. You know, you can do that. It's safe to fail. Exactly. And obviously, we're talking obviously very much about IT and technology here, but obviously that, this applies very much in a business context. So, where businesses may be trying out new services or products, they can do that in a, in a short term or time frame and be able to get the feedback that they need to, to make an evaluation and decision on whether to continue. Exactly. In fact, um, I struggled in the early days because I worked with uh, several teams, cross continents, you know, highly politically charged, you know, you could say that. But then I applied it in so many different other fields. And what I realized was that PowerPointflow is really about taking decisions it's not about technology. And because of that, you realize that life is made of decisions, except the problem is we never, you know, we take the default one, you know, we, we, we go with the flow, you know, and uh, so we never take them the decisions. And as a consequence of that, we, we live in zombie land. We act like zombies. We are surrounded by zombies and we don't recognize it because they look like us. It is us. And so it, that kind of inertia is our enemy. And so if you find a way to really try uh, small little ways to run experiments, take rapid decisions, change the status quo, and reflect effectively on how you're doing things all the time. You know, I keep saying that, I, you know, as an average, I run about five experiments a week, you know, and uh, I work with teams who actually launch about five experiments a week, sometimes even 10, you know, and that's the thing. And you apply that in different fields. I, apl I apply this with my family. You know, I negotiate change with my son, for example, who is uh, Asperger. It's in the spectrum. Uh, now, you, you wouldn't notice that, but one of the treats, I guess, of uh, people with Asperger is that they tend to be the perfect traditional project manager <laughs> in the sense that they... They want to be in control of everything, yes. which works really well. <laughs> works well with things, a little bit less well with people, right? But to me, it's perfect because essentially I, I experiment on him and more importantly with him. <laughs> you know? Yes. Because, if, because if, I, if I come up with a solution or an idea, usually what you have is, uh, you know, you have 50-50. would say, yeah, let's go with it or not. But with him, that's not the case, because unless he comes with the idea, <laughs> uh, I have less of a, less chances, right? So I don't take those chances. And what I do instead is to go back to the problem, negotiate, understand uh, if we have a shared understanding of that problem, and then we co-design options, right? And it works much better. So Claudio, can you perhaps share with us a career tip, one that the audience may not know and should? One thing that served me well, uh, that I used to say, and I still say, and I still feel like that, is this one. Grow claws like a tiger. And what I mean by that is uh, 
keep yourself marketable. Okay. Stay hungry, sharp, never stop learning and sharing. Actually, this emerged because I worked in a lot of uh, startups and uh, including startups I started. And uh, this is what I used to say, you know, we're in a startup is a territory of extreme uncertainty. A lot of startups fail no matter what. And so we need to grow claws like a tiger. Let's do that because today we're here tomorrow. We don't know where we will be. And so by doing so, pretty much, we created a really kind of a craftsman mentality and approach, I guess, where we were learning, sharing continuously, and uh, we would stay in the company because we wanted to stay, not because we had no other option. And that, I find, serves you well. It can serve you well, at least. Yeah. Do you feel that's a mindset thing or do you, is that something you consciously do? Um, deliberately do you do anything in terms of you know like researching or reading or watching videos whatever it might be or do you just is it just something you naturally do to me it goes back to you know one confession i never finished college and uh you know i guess people mature like at different stages in their life and uh so i never finished college and so when i entered you know the workplace i found in a way that I felt like a boxer, you know, what I mean, one of those uh, failed boxers, you know, who need to fight their way through. And, and I mean, not in an aggressive way, but I, I did find that, uh, you know, I had this feeling of being left behind, you know, where others had somewhat a better start. And, uh, but, in, you know, in hindsight, it's been my fortune because I never stopped learning. Yes. I continued essentially to study, to learn and whatever. And this really served me well you know the opposite of that is uh you know you've done college you feel you you do know what you need to know and uh then you become sort of entitled perhaps or you know you go with the flow you expect your boss to take care of your career <laughs> you know yeah. um, i never thought about that but i just find it's a waste of human potential and so by keeping this kind of mindset of being a tiger, you know, have options because in reality, what happens is that if you, if you learn your craft and you develop it, and I'm not saying just your craft in terms of IT stuff, there's a lot of human related stuff that, you know, you may still want to develop, but keeping that kind of mindset and deliberately do stuff to work on yourself, not just on the actual work is extremely powerful. Claudia, can you perhaps tell us about your worst career moment and what you learned from that experience? Oh, I have many. (laughs) 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 So I don't know where to start, really. Uh, Maybe from the fun one. How about losing three million pounds a day for three days in a row? (laughs) Ouch. Yeah, that's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That's the fun one. Um, Now, I mean, in fairness, I can't take full credit for for all of it. Let's say (laughs) our team, right? We did that kind of... uh, issue but i mean this is what happens effectively we were trying to be too clever we had some configuration that didn't work out together with some bug Uh, we ended up pretty much having our software that was serving the sales team across europe on a large global organization Uh, instead of pointing to live server went to pre-production server Uh and for three days nobody nobody 
realized it. Now, that was a long time ago, right? Uh, but here's also the clever stuff. Uh, the live server, meanwhile, every night would copy all, their, all its data into the pre-production server so that we would have the latest data all the time. Which oh, means dear. Yes. It would override everything. Yeah. So that was fun. And presumably the, uh, the pre-production server wasn't backed up either. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about <laughs> a long time ago. Um, yeah. Having said that, you know, there are issues that sometimes happens even now. But uh, but that was a fun one. Now, we recovered a lot of the data through paper, it turns out, because salespeople still like to print stuff. <laughs> At least they used to do that. Yes. So, but uh, it was like fun. Uh, I mean, but then there are other things like, for example, I've been a chief technology officer for this great company, but unfortunately it didn't work out. And so I had uh, three levels of redundancies. And, you know, it's hard to be in the receiving side, but it's also hard to be on the on the giving side. And actually, you know, to tell people, your friends, that there was no work anymore. People you respect who are technically talented, uh, you know, that actually has been really tough, really, really tough. Yeah. Do you feel that? that sort of experience of going through that process changed you in any way? Well, you know, I left after that. <laughs> and then essentially we failed as a company. By the way, we were literally the new company of the year in Ireland in 2005. So like it wasn't something, it was something, it was a project we really believed in. And uh, yeah, it changed me because when I, when I left, I did the only thing that I could possibly do, which is to become a consultant so that I could mess up somebody else's business. <laughs> and, and I remember on my first mission, my first gig, a CIO asked me, well, if you were so clever, not me as me, like as a company, if you were so clever, why did you fail? Yeah. And, um, and I thought about that and I thought, you're right. I don't know. We were clever and we were doing agile. We weren't doing all this kind of stuff. And, and yet we failed. And uh, for three years, I walked the earth like Kane in Kung Fu. You know, the TV show, the old TV show. I don't know yes. if you've ever seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Right? And find, trying to find myself. And, and the reason was Lean Startup hadn't emerged yet. And so I really didn't understand the territory on which we were moving. So we were so proud and so opinionated on how we were doing stuff. And... Well, it's all well and good, but uh, you're trading on assumptions <laughs> about what the customer actually likes. Yes, exactly. Okay, um, so moving away from your worst moment, can you probably tell us about your career highlight or greatest success? Ooh, um, I don't know which one to pick. <laughs> Just kidding. It was good. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I had some good few moments, I guess. But, uh, well, I guess that one, like, to... You know, to start organically, a company like like that one I was just mentioning, it was great. Not so much because of the outcome, being it positive. Sometimes you have up and downs, but uh, uh, it's what uh, option traders call the generator. It's not so much how much money you make that is important, is what led to actually to get there, right? Which is at the core of Agile as well, right? Yes. But when you think about inspecting and adapt, you don't think... In, just in terms of the outcome, you think about what, what led to that outcome and how can we improve it. So to me, it's been a highlight because uh, organically we created a 
learning organization, right? I would take maybe new recruits often, bring them to the coffee shop or the canteen and explain what values we had. I would give them like the refactoring book, Martin Fowler, essentially, and say, you know, we would tell like our mission, who we were, what we believed in and whatever. Then I would give them the book and say, well, in company time this afternoon, reads this kind of four or five patterns, essentially. And the reason is tomorrow you're going to work in production code, pair programming with somebody else, and we need to speak the same language. So you need to know what it means, you know, oh, let's replace this nested conditional with the guard clause, for example. And that created a system where people who have are different, they have different extraction, but uh, they would immediately be immersed in an environment where you would have people who were technically excellent and yet they would keep their ego in check. You yeah. know what I mean? And and they had no escape. That was the dominant mindset that we had. And so very quickly we would uh, we would rise people to uh, to their full potential. Claudio, what excites you about the future of industry and, and careers in IT in particular? Well, I'm, I'm actually excited about that because uh, more than economic factors, people in IT are in demand, will always be in demand, or at least for still quite a long time, I think. Uh, more than autonomy, which, uh, you know, is this idea where I don't have to ask anybody <laughs> to build <laughs> what I want. You know, if I have an idea, in fact, the future is becoming, e- you know, everything is becoming easier and easier, like in terms of technologies and what what it takes now to create a solution uh, that can help many people. Uh, even more than creativity, which is uh, what drove me pretty much to to IT in the first place. And it's not because you don't have creativity, but I realized in time that there are a lot of other th- fields where you can be creative or where creativity is absolutely needed. So more than all of that, I think is it's about our power to ignite change, to have impact. More than in the past, more than any time in the past, now we really have this capability to really, with uh, just few resources, to create something that impacts a lot of people. And so my hope is that we become from a necessarily evil (laughs) to a strategic force for change, really. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's already happening to a certain extent. Companies are certainly integrating IT, and I think yeah, the new methodology or the sort of the adoption of methodologies, if you like, that sort of involve more business-driven focus, I think is a, is a good thing, and and it's definitely something that's going to continue. Absolutely, absolutely. But you know, I come from uh, companies in Italy. I don't want to say all Italy is like that, but uh, <laughs> you know, we had <laughs> like sweat uh, shops. And so the attitude was so different. <laughs> and uh, so it's amazing to see the difference. We're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. You ready for this? Yeah. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? So, you know, I'm becoming a fan of your podcast and I've been listening to quite a few people. And uh, and, and I was surprised like to hear that some of them just fell into it yeah. or... Or they just looked at the economic aspect and actually say, there's no job, so let's go here. To me, it's been really intentional or vocational, if you want to know. That is, when I failed college, my first job wasn't into programming. 
you know, I had a, an old Apple IIe, you know, and uh, and I used to, you know, write a little bit of stuff uh, in basic Apple for soft. So, like, it wasn't really, I wasn't a programmer right then, but I did have that kind of uh, love for computers. And so when I started my first job, I worked as a technical writer, but I remember distinct, distinctively one day banging on the desk of my boss, shouting, I want to become a professional developer. And then I left, I went to the shop because one at the time you would buy stuff in the shop. <laughs> and uh, I spent three quarter of my monthly salary to buy Visual Basic 3.0. I'm old enough, I guess. <laughs> right. And uh, funny enough, in the shop, I actually met somebody who had a company who I knew who said, you learned that and then you called me. And I remember that night going back and uh, having a big fight with my ex-girlfriend <laughs> because she thought I was crazy. But from then on, I literally woke up at six o'clock every day to study this manual and try to learn Visual Basic. I presume you were successful. Yeah, I think, yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> what is the best career advice you've ever received? The best one, go home. <laughs> I know it's funny. But uh, yeah, as I mentioned before, coming from a culture where just busyness was valued, where effectively you were, uh, you know, I remember my former boss would say, you know, if you leave at six o'clock in the evening, I know it sounds crazy. It sounds crazy now. I hope it's crazy now back in Italy as well. But if you leave at six o'clock, they would ask you, what, half a day? What happened? <laughs> you know, literally. Yeah. And, um, and plus, you know, the company I worked for was really close to my home. And so, yeah, like it was a really bad habit. And so when I moved to Ireland, the guy pretty much said to me, <clears throat> because I called him, we had like a major issue and it was eight o'clock in the evening. And the guy said, what are you doing there? Just go home, <laughs> just go home. And so from there, like I understood a little more about, not so much about life balance, but uh, it's more about the results and being valued for the ideas and contributions that you bring, not for how long you stay. Yes. And then again, it's back to this is something I learned like later is, uh, is more about the, you know, the generator. In fact, I leave this kind of principle, which I wrote down as part of Bacon Flow's philosophy. It's not only what you do, but rather what you learn by doing it that matters. Yep. No, they're all great points. Definitely. And what is the worst career advice you've ever received? It's an advice that I've been given recently, actually, and uh, it's pace yourself. Okay. <laughs> And uh, the person who actually said it to me, you said, you know, I pace myself because otherwise, you know, uh, customers want even more and your partners want even more and it never ends and this and that. And at the time I thought, oh, I don't know if it applies to me because I, I literally can't, for, for the way I'm, I'm wired, I guess, I lose sleep about the customer business, not so much mine. <laughs> and, yes. uh, I just can't disconnect. I don't know what it is. Now, that person has been let go <laughs> just right. a week after, yep. which is funny enough. You can overdo it, I guess. It's not that it's wrong. You know, I understand people who think, you know, a career is a, is a marathon and all that kind of stuff, but um, just didn't work for me. And again, you know, some advice that may be useful in certain contexts may not be that useful in others or may not work for you. And so we, we have to take things with a pinch of salt. We do. 
You're right, exactly. And if you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? So in the past, I've been in the same company, my very first company for five years. Never again. Never again. It's probably not really that applicable anyways right now, but I just realized it's rare that you can learn as much by staying in the same company. Unless it's a very large company and you deliberately try to move from department to department. If I were to begin again, probably I would uh, maybe keep focusing on craftsmanship first. That's where you, you know, learn about your craft, stay humble, and, but particularly be curious, right? And then later what you get is an appreciation of systems, you know, to understand that not all problems are born in isolation. They, they are the outcome often of some system effectively created by others and uh, and so learn more about you know expand effectively your fields you know but start narrow and then expand yeah i think it's interesting to hear what you said about not staying in one company for too long i think maybe certainly when i started my career the the expectation was more at that time you probably only have a couple of jobs in your career but of course now where we are that's you know people are, are quite able to move readily between different companies and and move around and and it benefits them as much as anything else yeah absolutely certainly it's certainly true in our part of the world i don't know where else how things are maybe elsewhere maybe different but uh, certainly it is the case now like it's much easier in fact it's much harder to stay in the same company for longer that's right a lot of reorganization takes place and and uh, shifting of priorities because companies are more I suppose I want to avoid using the word agile, but I certainly change their focus and direction more often and therefore it creates change. Yeah, this, this in fact is uh, maybe goes back to build clothes like a tiger because uh, essentially what you are as an employee, if you think about staying pretty much in your job and career forever, you're very fragile to the possibility that somebody else takes decisions for you. Yeah. So you're exposed pretty much to big tsunamis, right? So what you want instead is to be able to exercise options, right? When when things change, you know, you, you may not even predict it, but you could say, well, in the in the event that these particular issues happen, say the company decides to turn into agile. <laughs> I'm just throwing it there. But you know, you know how companies are. They have like big programs every six months and you know it's Adapting to changes uh, is is important, of course, but uh, it's this being you know exposed to external events and uh, not so much predict when they happen, but what happens if they happen, how fragile or the opposite of that, how strong or anti fragile I am if that event happens. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? Uh, well, right now, effectively, I'm uh, my goal is to bring Park and Flow to the world. <laughs> yep. And uh, so I'm bootstrapping a company, helping others experiment more from the general point of view in terms of mindset. I'm looking at different and new ways on how to exploit uncertainty rather than fear it. You know, there are certain situations and positions where you realize that you actually need that kind of variation and change in order to succeed. It's like saying, if I want to surf, I need a wave. You know, without a wave, I can't really surf. Yes. Uh, yeah. Metaphorically speaking. And uh, 
So for the first part of my career, for sure, I've been looking at the world as something that I could somewhat tame. And so like, it's all about planning and control and this and that. And, uh, and more is really about understanding that the world is not made of concrete. It's like the ocean and you don't tame the ocean, you surf it. <laughs> yep. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? Definitely the ability to negotiate change. So this kind of idea, which, you know, it's about like starting with a shared understanding of a problem and, uh, you know, understanding that after all, this is something I learned on my skin is, uh, you know, the right solution for the wrong problem is the wrong solution. <laughs> and, uh, yes. I found it in a few occasions, even embarrassing occasions where I would jump to conclusions right away and maybe, you know, provide answers or create solutions and stuff. Well, you understand later that that was the wrong question. <laughs> that was the wrong part. <laughs> yes. and, I, and so I came up with that, you know, say, oh, yes, it's right. The right solutions for the wrong problem is the wrong solution. And um, together with that, I would say possibly also the Socratic method. You know, things like to say, if you make a statement or something, I may ask, well, can you give me an example? What do you mean by that? What would you say if somebody said something different? Uh, what evidence do we have about that? What assumptions are we making? What are the consequences? But asking that not to prove your point through questions, which is often what the Socratic method turns into, yeah. but to do that with curious intent. That is the understanding that we are grown-ups and uh, you may have ideas that can change mine. And so I'm curious and I want to know more. That's really helped me a lot. And what do you do to keep your own career energized? Variety, for sure. It's a fear of the unknown. You know, when I said I'm currently launching, uh, facilitating and launching a new corporate startup every five weeks. Well, every corporate startup is in different fields. It's not the same path that you choose, you know, based on the outcomes that you get, you need to use that feedback loop pretty much like to come up with new ideas. And, and that really keeps me energized. Right? Yep. And so finding effectively what's unknown uh, all the time in whatever you do, maybe, I don't know, photocopies, <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter, <laughs> but, but find that kind of, uh, again, with curiosity, find yes. actually what you don't know and learn. Yeah. And presumably there's always something new to learn uh, in that respect. Absolutely, yeah, in everything. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology? I'm returning to music and cartooning. I used to I definitely do a lot of cartoons. You know, years ago, I used to do presentations uh, in a lot of conferences, but I would spend, I don't know, five hours to find the right picture. You know, and people would stock photo picture. People would notice, right? They would say, oh, great pictures. Where did you find them? And uh, the same yep. place where you found them, except <laughs> I'm spending a lot of time to find the right one. And, and then I realized, you know what? If I'm spending so much time, I may just as well draw them. And so I took, you know, a couple of cartoon books and started learning. And, uh, and that really helped create that kind of uh, uniqueness, I guess, yes. of approach. And you've incorporated that into a lot of your presentations and your brand and so forth. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I leave my, my mom. Here's another thing. My mom is a, is a poet, uh, but she's not an improvised poet. She's a, a fairly well-known French-Italian poet. And she used to co-write uh, lyrics for songs and whatever. So I've always been surrounded, I guess, by artists uh, when I was a kid, but also living effectively that kind of principle which is attributed to Oscar Wilde, which says, be yourself, everyone else is already taken. Right? <laughs> yes. <And> so, <laughs> yeah, so I always had the struggle on going with the flow with everything, and I always try to not limit myself on anything and just try stuff, you know. And so, yeah, those presentations are quite unique, right? It's hard to to do something similar. Exactly. Um, but one thing I realized with presentations is once you have like visual storytelling, it doesn't matter, you know, about how good those uh, drawings are, you know, as long as they're yours, you know, it makes it makes really difference. Yes. And Claudio, can you share with us a parting piece of career advice? You know, every time we have a desire, something to do, what you always find is obstacles, or often you find obstacles and um, systems, you know, bureaucracy and, you know, company policies and stuff like that. And uh, my only thing to say here is that there are battles that you want to fight and battles you don't want to fight. And those problems, uh, if you don't want to fight them, there will be constraints. But most of the systems that we face are not the result of some cosmic rule. There are systems created by humans, and by humans shall be destroyed if they are not longer fit for purpose. Hmm. And this is what I realized, is that I could actually change rules, global company rules across continents, because it was the right thing to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? If if there's a project which is an expensive project and is due to fail because your pre-production servers can't be in your country because for whatever stupid company policy, they need to be in the headquarter where nobody cares and you know it's going to fail, well, you know, you may consider <laughs> not going to the head of IT, you go to the business uh, sponsor who actually is crying for that system who's got a lot at stake and actually make a case for that right yes and so once you once you do that you you really realize that there's actually no limit all the limits are self-imposed on ourselves when we say oh this is beyond my pay grade or this is beyond my you know my, you know we can't fight that i can't fight entire company policies well realize there are made by humans, yep. right? And so they've been created at a time uh, which maybe some of this stuff made sense, but they definitely no longer make sense. And Claudio, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? Well, you can connect me, with me easily on Twitter. I'm Agile Sensei. Uh, LinkedIn as well. Or you can go to my website, agilesensei.com or popcornflow.com. There's a lot of videos around Definitely send me an email, claudio at agilesensei.com. Claudio, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you so much, right? I was really honored to be here. Thank you. A quick thank you again to my guest on today's show for sharing their career tips, advice, and experiences. You'll find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website, which will be itcareerenergizer.com slash e and then the number of today's episode 
Now that there are three new episodes of the show every week, make sure that you're subscribed to the show so you don't miss out. And don't forget to join the new IT Career Energizer Community Group in Facebook. If you're enjoying the podcast, it would be great to hear from you and to learn about your own career journey, your successes, opinions, and thoughts on the future of the industry. Thanks for supporting the show. And remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.